let's pray as we ask for God's help. Lord, we pray that you might help me to speak what uh, your word uh, with uh, truly, clearly, in a way that's relevant to our lives. We pray by your spirit that you might em- enable and empower me in my speaking. Lord, by your spirit, open our ears, our minds, our hearts to hear what you say to us, that we might respond by believing it, trusting in the Lord Jesus, who can change our lives and make us alive forever. So Lord, we pray you'd give us grace. And in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Trust under the live stream too. You'll find an outline there of where we're heading this morning and a copy of uh, the manuscript that I'm speaking from too. Well, how do you get to finish school and pass VCE? I think for nearly everyone, it's by doing all your work and working hard, isn't it? Especially if you want to get top marks at school or university. How do you you keep your house clean? It's by working, isn't it? How do you earn money in your job? It's by working. So much of what we gain and achieve in this life, we get by working. Yet this corona crisis has taught us that often some people, when you're wanting to work and able to work, sometimes that's not enough. Sometimes your ability to work can't get you a job or bring in the dollars And I know for some of you that's been really hard. But one thing this teaches us is, just like an unemployed person then relies on the grace of the government, the grace of a charity or a generous friend, we need to rely on God's grace. For Ephesians chapter 2 tells us we can't earn our way to relationship with God we can't, we can't do that ourselves. We can only accept it as a gift of grace. And may God's grace, which gives us life, strike you in a new way today. In Ephesians chapter 1, we heard the Apostle Paul tell these Christians that they've received every spiritual blessing in Christ. And then how he's been praying that they'd know God better and God's hope and Christ's power. And after these grand, wonderful things, he brings them back now to earth with a thud, reminding them of who they were before becoming Christians. And so before sharing the good news, he leads them into a dark valley, death valley. Our first of three points is dead. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. This is a description of all people everywhere before they are Christians. Like grimy miners down in a dark pit, we're all like that, but we like comparing ourselves with each other and somehow imagining that that we're relatively clean and more clean and better than the person next to us. And so we find it hard to accept that we've done wrong and that we need a saviour. But in the mirror of the Bible, our human nature is painfully exposed and it's accurately diagnosed. Transgressions refers to us intentionally or unintentionally, so unintentionally or on purpose, deviating from the right path and doing wrong. 
And that word sins is missing the mark. It's missing the target. All the times we've fallen short of doing what God has asked of us, loving him firstly, loving others perfectly. And so these two words together cover all of our disobedience, the things we do wrong and the things we've failed to do right. And we were dead because of this. Or we wonder what this means because how can we describe people as dead? I mean, people can move and run and think and act and, and make choices and some things we experience make us feel so alive. But by dead... It doesn't mean dead physically or destined to die, but spiritually dead. Spiritual death is the separation from God which sin brings. Like in chapter 4, verse 18, it puts it like this, we were separated, separated from the life of God. And this describes the state of every non-Christian person who isn't in relationship with God through faith in Jesus. Because true life, full life, eternal life is experienced in relationship with God. Writer John Stott says, All non-Christian people are blind to God's, sorry, blind to the glory of Jesus, deaf to the voice of the Holy Spirit. They have no love for God, no relationship with God, no eternal life. Life without God, however physically fit and mentally alert a person may be, is living death. This may be confronting for you, I know. Please don't give up listening yet. In verse 2 and 3, Paul describes what we were all were before coming to Christ. And he says we followed three things. Firstly, the ways of this world. This means we once, or we still do, live life without reference to God. We live by our own rules. We live to please ourselves. This was just like what the lost son did in that parable we read in Luke chapter 15. He went off rejecting his father to live the way he wanted Secondly, we follow the ruler of the kingdom of the air. In John chapter 12, Jesus calls him the prince of this world. It's a a reference to Satan, the devil. It doesn't mean that all people are possessed by the devil, but they are persuaded by his lies. You see, everyone who doesn't submit to Christ is doing what the devil wants, ignoring God ignoring his rule over their lives. There was a little, a little girl who was disciplined by her mother for kicking her brother and pulling his hair. Sally, her mother said, why did you let the devil make you kick your brother and pull his hair? And she answered, the devil made me kick him, but pulling his hair was my idea. People are under the devil's influence, but we also sin on our own. We can't say the devil made me do it and blame him for our choices because we've all followed, thirdly, the cravings of our flesh. That word flesh describes our nature apart from God's influence. It describes our fallen nature, which is prone to sin, It describes the desires 
that come from within us. And so as some of us have experienced, even in the last couple of months, when the desire for food becomes gluttony, the desire for sleep becomes laziness, when the desire for sex leads to lust or porn or sex outside marriage, they have been perverted into sinful desires. And we can't blame our genes or our upbringing or our circumstances. We are responsible. Everybody sins by nature and by choice. I do, you do, sin by nature and by choice. And so to sum up, three things we're told that we're born following, which influence every one of us, that world, the flesh, and the devil. And we need delivering, we need saving, because as verse 3 says, the wrath of God is coming. God's anger, God's anger is not a, a vindictive rage or an irrational flying off the handle. It's God's consistently holy anger towards evil, which means he will justly Punish sin. Everyone without Christ is dead and facing a judgment that we all deserve. Imagine three patients with heart disease being asked into the doctor's surgery after their scans. Well, the doctor said, I do have some good news for you, but you won't realise it's good news until you hear the bad news. All of you have serious heart disease because you've been heavy smokers for 30 years and unless each of you has major surgery, you will all be dead in a year. The first patient shrieked, outrageous. How could you criticize me like this? I came in here for some reassuring encouragement and you've made me feel terrible. It's a disgrace. And he stormed out. The second patient responded with menacing fury. How dare you? Who do you think you are telling me my heart needs surgery? I'll find many other doctors who'll tell me I'm fine and a lot healthier than some other smokers I know. And I feel fine. You're the most arrogant doctor I've ever met. And he stomped out. The third patient sat quietly for a moment. Doctor, it's a terrible shock to hear that I need surgery. But thank you for telling me the truth. I'm so relieved that there's good news, good news of an operation that can save me. Please tell me about it. How how are you responding to your spiritual diagnosis this morning? Well, let me tell you about the good news as we come to point two, alive. In verse five, God made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. So we were dead. God has made us alive spiritually. I don't know if you've seen the TV show Bondi Rescue on Channel 10. It's about lifeguards saving people at Bondi Beach in Sydney. And I was watching it recently and a two-year-old girl, she turned out to be two years old, she was seen by a lifeguard uh, in the distance, struggling and going under. 
Eventually, when the lifeguard got to her, he was five metres away, couldn't quite get there. He was hit by a wave and pushed back, but he saw her upside down. And by the time he got to her, he had to dive under because she was under the water. He dragged her up. He sat her on his board. And there on the board, he gave her CPR. He brought this little girl back to life. She was alive before they reached the beach. This girl was dead. And she was brought back to life. And it was amazing and it was wonderful and it choked me up to see it. But I ask you, could that drowned girl save herself? No way. That little girl needed someone to rescue her and give her life. And it's just like us. We need someone to rescue us from death. And in God's great love for us, verse 4, he came to us in Jesus He made us alive. Jesus is the lifesaver, the rescuer. 2,000 years ago, he lived a life without sin. And to save us from spiritual and eternal death, Jesus died for us, taking the wrath of God for our sin when he died on the cross. And then he rose from the dead. He rose to new life and we can get new life with him and because of him. Imagine yourself as a decaying corpse, spiritually dead, locked inside a coffin. You're captive to the world, the flesh and the devil, and you're heading into the flames of the crematorium, objects of God's wrath. Suddenly, as your coffin is engulfed in flames, someone leaps into the flames, smashes open the coffin, and despite receiving the most horrific burns that scar him forever, he retrieves your corpse and breathes life into your body. He washes you. He clothes you in his clothes. He tenderly carries you to his chauffeur-driven Rolls Royce. He takes you home to his father's royal palace to stay in his rooms and feast at his table and to enjoy his abundant hospitality forever. That is every Christian's personal story. And if it's your story, doesn't it make you thankful to reflect on that even when your life is hard? When God gives us life through Jesus, it's about full life, abundant life, purpose and meaning in life. It's about eternal life, living life with God. It's about a relationship with God that starts now, goes on forever and only gets better in the next life. And verse 6, since Jesus is in heaven and heaven is our present dwelling spiritually, heaven must be our future destination. God makes us alive with Christ And we're not given life because we earned it or deserved it or worked hard enough for it. 
But again, verse 4, because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. And verse 5, it is by grace you have been saved. This is our third point, saved by grace through faith. Mercy is God not giving us what we deserve, wrath. Grace is God giving us something we don't deserve, life, peace with God, a place with him in heaven. And verse 7 repeats it, we're made alive and saved to show the incomparable riches of God's grace. And verse 8 repeats it again because we can so easily miss the point. It is by grace you have been saved. It is the gift of God. It's a free gift. A free gift to utterly undeserving people like me, like you. Just like the father showed grace to his lost son who returned in Luke chapter 15. Do you remember that last verse there, how the father accepted him, saying, this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and now is found. If you want this life, how do you receive it? It's through faith. That word faith speaks of a belief in something, a a conviction about something. It describes who or what we trust in and depend on. And as we think about how to respond to God's grace, depend is our first of three words starting with D. To respond to God's grace, we need to depend on Jesus. We cannot be saved from death and judgment by our own works and efforts, not by being good enough, not by going to church enough or giving enough or reading your Bible enough. The great Protestant doctrine is that salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone, trusting in and depending on Jesus Christ. And even if you're watching for the very first time, maybe, today is your opportunity to respond to Jesus by relying on him, relying on depending on him in your heart and in your mind. Please don't wait to make this decision. Tomorrow may be too late. Choose to depend on Jesus totally. And if you do that, please tell us. Click the contact button near the live stream and so I can get in touch with you and we'd love you to attend that Christianity Explored course. Many people, even non-Christians that I'm friends with, are familiar with the hymn, Amazing Grace, which we're going to sing shortly. Yet most people, even as they're singing it, still think that, I've just got to do my best to make it to heaven. But no, we cannot be saved by our own good works. You might work hard and do well in VCE or at uni. You might work hard in your job and make lots of money. You might work hard at being a good person, but you cannot work to earn your salvation. 
Salvation is not by works. Verse 9, so that nobody, no one can boast. Next D is don't boast. This point is for those of us who have trusted in Jesus. And maybe you've followed him for many years, maybe even decades. Please don't think I trusted in Jesus because I made the right decision. Or I put my faith in Jesus because I'm smarter and wiser than the next person. Or I'm a Christian because I'm better than them. Or I'm still a Christian because I'm strong in my faith and I've been good. No, we can't boast in anything. Don't boast. Give God the glory. Don't steal the glory from him. To know that I am completely saved by grace, it liberates me from the pride of thinking I can save myself. It liberates me from the terror of realising I can't. And it keeps me from looking down on others. One day a large church had a combined communion service with a smaller nearby church. And that smaller church had many people who were criminals who'd been converted. One day the pastor saw a former burglar kneeling beside the judge of the Supreme Court of England, the very judge who'd sent that man to jail for seven years. After his release, the burglar had been converted and become a Christian worker. And yet as they knelt there, judge and former convict, neither seemed aware of the other. After the service, the judge said to the pastor, did you notice who was kneeling beside me at the communion rail this morning? The pastor replied, I did, but I didn't know you noticed. After a moment of silence, the judge said, what a miracle of grace. The pastor nodded in agreement. Yes, what a miracle of grace. The pastor thought he was talking about the convict. And the judge said, but I was not referring to him. I was thinking of myself. The pastor was a little confused and surprised, and and so the judge continued. It was natural for the burglar to receive God's grace when he came out of jail. He had nothing but a history of crime behind him. And when he saw Jesus as his saviour, he knew there was salvation and hope and joy for him. And he knew how much he needed help. But look at me. I was taught from earliest infancy to live as a gentleman, that my word was to be my bond, that I was to say my prayers and go to church and take communion and so on. I went through Oxford, took my degrees, was called to the bar and eventually became a judge. Pastor, it was God's grace that drew me. It was God's grace that opens my heart to receive it. I am a greater miracle of grace. Maybe that connects with you. And maybe that challenges you to not boast. Or maybe if you're struggling at the moment, you're encouraged by this to rejoice, knowing that you have been saved 
given life by God's grace. The final brief way to respond, if we're Christians, is to do good works. We're not saved by good works, but we are saved to do good works. Verse 10, as a result of God's work, we've been made alive with Christ to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Doesn't that blow your mind? Knowing we've been saved for good works, prepared by God, it frees us. It frees you and I from lazy and loveless disengagement from the needs of others. It frees you and I from feeling insignificant and useless. So delight in serving Jesus, not to be saved, but because you have been saved. What good work does God want you to do this week? What person maybe does God want you to encourage with a phone call or a text? Even if you're working from home now, are you keeping track of your workmates? Could you give someone a call simply to ask how they're going? How can you serve someone in your family or serve your spouse instead of putting yourself first? Will you honour God in the way you study or work, working hard as to the Lord? Will you honour your God in the way you keep trusting him in your pain Will you honour him in the way you speak of him to others as you reach out in love? For so many people, they think that acceptance with God depends on their performance. But it's given as a free gift. People need to know that. Please tell them. And because God has prepared such good things for us to do, don't boast. Let's get on and do them. Let's spend our lives, our life living for the one who gave us life. We were dead. We're now alive. We've been saved by grace through faith. So always depend on Jesus and let God's grace inspire you to keep doing good. Let's pray. Our Lord God and Heavenly Father, forgive us for the times when we put our confidence in ourselves and we're boasted in our work, our achievements, before you or before others. Your word here tells us clearly that we were spiritually dead, lost, facing wrath outside of your grace, but Lord, in grace, you come to us in Jesus. Lord, we thank you that we can have life by faith in him, by depending on him. Lord, we pray that we would all do that today. Maybe for the first time or yet again. And Lord, we pray that you would help us to respond in faith to the good news of our Lord Jesus by your spirit and help us to live your way in response. 
So, Lord, we thank you that you are a God who accepts us by your grace. It is amazing. And may that fill our hearts with joy this day. Amen.